0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1136 of the Atlanta Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowling, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. Today's podcast is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is a new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you don't want or that you don't need. And it can even negotiate better deals on those that you want to keep. Today's podcast will break down what became a very, very bad loss, to be honest and frank. For the Atlanta Hawks, losing at home to the Houston Rockets by a final score of 132 to 126. The Hawks were in total control of this game for the vast majority of the contest. They led by as many as 19 points in the first half. They led by as many as 17 points in the third quarter. And then uh, things got away from them, let's just say. They allowed 44 points in the fourth quarter. Offensively, they did not totally collapse, but it wasn't fantastic. And that combination of events led to what became a close-fought loss. And uh, honestly, pretty clearly the worst loss of the season for the Hawks, given the point spread, given the opponent, given the venue, given the blown lead, all of it. Um, this is a game the Hawks have to win, and they didn't win it. So we'll get into all that stuff, but at that, at the very least, the Hawks are now below 500 mark for the first time in a while. They're one and four in the last five games, and they have five consecutive home losses, which is a little bit jarring after the way they started the season with uh, an eight and one record at home. They're now eight and six at, at, in their home building, and uh, a lot to get into on the podcast today. By the way, if you're a new listener, welcome aboard. I'm sure it's not the greatest, uh, most fun podcast in the world for you, at least episode-wise, but uh, please subscribe to the podcast, please tell your friends, and we'll dive into the game now. Uh, Coming in to the contest for some context, there's only a second game in the last seven days for the Hawks. They've had a pretty light schedule after what was a gauntlet at the beginning of the season, and also, as a sidebar, Clint Capella, this is the first time that Capella's ever played against his old team in the Rockets. He's not active in either one of the games last year, so Kind of one of those subplot kind of things that probably would have gotten more focused if they had the Hawks won this game. But Capella playing as his old team for the first time. The Hawks were shorthanded, of course, without Bogdanovich and Hunter and Kongwu and Solomon Hill in this contest. Um, just for the record, because it was a two-week mark between injury and uh, update, the Hawks actually issued an official update on Bogdanovich on Monday. Uh, they didn't offer too much in terms of specifics, though. They said that he has progressed in, it, in his activities to include individual on-court workouts. But no timeline whatsoever out other than the fact that he was ruled out for tonight's game. I'm not really sure what to make of that. Uh, he's not missed six games in a row with the ankle injuries, been out since November 27th. But with Hunter still having at least three, four, five weeks to go, he's now about halfway through his eight-week timetable projection. Uh, the Hawks definitely shorthanded on the wing, and that's been uh, showing through, I think, in recent days. Um, same stars for the Hawks in this contest. They brought Kim Reddish off the bench. Despite having no restriction on minutes whatsoever, um, they could change it up at some point in the future. But for now, Camp staying in that role with TLC starting. And the Rockets in this game were without Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., and Daniel House. Three of their top seven or eight guys probably on paper coming into the season. But um, spoiler alert, the Rockets got a lot of stuff in this game from their veterans. Uh, This is a young team that's rebuilding, but guys like Eric Gordon and DJ Augustine were the reason. And David Nwaba were the reason why uh, Houston won this game, which is kind of crazy to uh, think about. With that said, the Hawks close as about 10-point favorites, according to our friends at betterline.ag in this game. That was the fourth time this season the Hawks had closed as double-digit favorites, and they were 3-0 before this. And that wasn't the only reason why this is the worst loss of the season so far for Atlanta, but definitely contributes to it. You know, usually when you're a double-digit favorite in the NBA, you're going to win you know 80-plus percent of the time. Uh, it's not 100% by any means, and uh, even at home, Houston's got NBA players, and they, you know, they play hard, all that stuff, but still a uh, very bad loss all the way around for the Hawks. We'll dive in now to the game itself. And in the early going, the Hawks did start out um, bobbing away from three and scoring. They had an 8-0 run early on. Um, They got some foul trouble, which is definitely a theme throughout this game. Collins got two fouls in the early going, had to sit with sort of the auto bench from Nate McMillan. Um, Houston did kind of rally back with 19 points in the first five and a half minutes. They were really cooking with Eric Gordon having 11 of his own. And the Hawks had some turnover issues in the first quarter, um, which is actually weird for them. And they actually kind of calmed down from there. But worth noting that on uh, rotationally, they went to Reddish as the first sub after Gallinard came in for Collins for foul stuff. It was Reddish who actually got a nice comp, catch and shoot three on the first trip of that he actually played in this game. They had a steal after that. I thought he played pretty well, all things considered, in this contest. Um, Trey Young kind of cooked Josh C- Christopher for a while there. Um, seven points and two possessions. He actually had a step back against Christopher who went flying. Then Trey kind of waited for him to get back into the play. He jumped into him. <laughs> for a four-point play, and then the next possession, he crossed him over again. So Trey had an awesome offensive game in this contest, but that was kind of the highlight of that, was that he was really just kind of abusing Josh Christopher in that first quarter. There was a 15-2 run by Atlanta late in the opening period to take a 12-point lead, um, sort of kickstarted by Trey on that early stretch against Christopher, They went to a full bench unit late in that period because of the uh, foul trouble with Corgi Jang playing some center, with John Collins having two fouls, but the Hawks did lead by 10 at the end of the first quarter. They had a 142 offensive rating. Trey Young had 16 points in the first quarter, his highest scoring first quarter of the season, his second highest scoring quarter of any kind this season, and the Hawks had seven threes on 14 attempts in the first quarter. They were kind of bombing away and being pretty efficient and effective offensively. In the second quarter, it was kind of more of the same for the most part. Gallinari hit a couple threes early on. In fact, the Hawks had nine three-pointers in the first 14 minutes. They were actually on pace at that point to set the franchise record. Again, that didn't happen. It kind of slowed down from there. In fact, they didn't have another one the rest of the first half. But they were hot early on. Um, there was a very bad missed call against Gallinari at one point in the second quarter when he just didn't touch KJ Martin who was on the way to the rim. Uh, they could have challenged that and probably would have won it, but actually they saved the challenge effectively and used it later on in a pretty big spot for the Hawks. didn't matter, of course, in the end because they lost the game. But that was a good non-challenge in retrospect, though, from from, uh, from Nate. The pace kind of slowed down a little bit late in, I, 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 I guess I should say the middle of the second quarter. But still, the Hawks had this like slow-developing run. It was a 12-2 push over like several minutes to go back up by 19, their largest lead of the night. Um, there was a huge block by John Collins, um, Garrison Matthews. They got into the bonus, kind of grounded it out a little bit. Um, they sat John, though, again. When he got his third foul with four minutes left in the half, that was uh, not one that I liked very much. And the Hawks did not um, close very well in the first half, which was kind of a red flag at the time. They led by 19 with four minutes to go and only were up by 11 at the half. In fact, it was, it was actually nine um, at one point in the final minute before Gall- before Trey, I should say, got to, got to the free throw line. But um, still reason to be positive in the first half, up by 11, um, a season high 69 points in the first half from the Hawks, a 130 offensive rating in the first half, they didn't make a 3 at the end, but they got to the line 17 times, made made 16 of 17, Trey had 21 points, that's the 6th time this season where he had 20 points and a half, he was very good, Cam had 12 off the bench and played very well in the first half, so a lot of positives to get into in that opening period, I guess opening two periods. Defensively, it wasn't like the Hawks were terrible in the first half, but still, the Rockets did score about 1.14 points per possession, which is well above their baseline, usually. And again, it was kind of a red flag in retrospect to look back at the end of the first half and say, look, the Hawks should have put this game away. A few different times, I would say. But especially then, it was 19, it was kind of tumbling down the hill, and the Rockets kind of found themselves at the end of that first half and uh, made this thing, obviously, a lot more, more competitive than it was supposed to be. Uh, we'll get into all of what transpired in the second half, and a lot, a lot, let's just say, to get into in the second half. Before we get into all of that, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Truebill. Do you know why free trials are new without your consent? It's a business scam that's out to get you. Don't let corporate greed pocket your money. Instead, download Truebill. to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, don't want, or simply forgot about. On average, people can save $720 a year with Truebill. And because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Your Truebill concierge is there right with you when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. And Truebill is awesome for someone like me who has a ton of subscriptions across the landscape. Sports makes it so I have to keep a wide swath of information. and It's really, really valuable to have Truebill to make sure that I don't get bamboozled. Truebill has over 2 million users and it's helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to truebill.com slash locked on NBA. It could save you thousands per year. Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Today's show is also sponsored by Stance. I've been hearing a lot about Stance Apparel lately, especially because they've been launching a new line of active apparel, plus, it's holiday gift giving time. And Stance is the coolest gift that you can give. It's incredibly comfortable and well made. Their socks, their shirts, their joggers, and their hoodies. And Stance is so much different than everybody else because, honestly, a lot of the stuff is boring socks, underwear, apparel that we always sort of sell back in for at the end of the day. But Stance changes the mindset by offering color, comfort, and creativity like no other. Stance was founded in 2009. We're presenting a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel with a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity. Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in, that those who feel good, do good, and you can go see for yourself by registering for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase using the promo code locked on at checkout to apply. Once again, that is promo code locked on at checkout. 15% off at stance.com. Enjoy the color and comfort of a less ordinary life with stance. Alright, so the third quarter uh, wasn't terrible by any means. The Hawks actually won the quarter by two points. And uh, it felt worse than that, but still, the Hawks didn't uh, put the game away, but they did kind of keep control of it. They had some foul issues in the early going. Um, after a nice, actually, quick trigger three from TLC early in the quarter with no, no hesitation whatsoever, that was good to see. Um, with 10 minutes left in the third quarter, the Hawks had four on John Collins and three on Capella. And they brought in Gallinari, Gallinari early again for Collins. And Collins' fourth foul, by the way, was called a flagrant one. That was a pretty soft call on my mind. I get why it, it might have been letter of the law, flagrant foul, but kind of a weird call there. There was a seven minute stretch, though, late first half in the early second half, which the Hawks lost that seven minute stretch by 11 points. And that kind of gave a little bit of the footing away. They, you know, the lead went from 19 down to eight. Then a nice little run from Trey Young, a 5 0 personal run after that with a couple of jump shots. And at that point in the game, by the way, Trey had 26 points on 14 shooting possessions, which is uh, clearly uber elite in terms of efficiency. But they struggled to put the game away, basically. Um, they kept Trey in for a long time, and justifiably so. And again, down the stretch, the Hawks led the game by 17 points after a three-by Daniel Gallinari late in the third quarter. Then Gallo got his fifth foul before the end of the third quarter, so they were just really, really, really short-handed in terms of foul stuff. Um, and of course, uh, they went to TLC at the four. Uh, a lot of Hawks fans wanted Jalen Johnson at that moment in time. I understand that, and I'm not going to get that whole thing again today because I've been talking about it for now uh, two weeks straight, basically. But I will say this would go for anyone, not just a rookie, Um, Nate McMillan is not going to put in a guy ice cold late in the third quarter unless he absolutely has to and probably doubly so for a rookie making what would have been his first rotation appearance in his entire NBA career. Uh, I know why that people wanted to see Jalen and obviously he's a really talented guy, but um, that was not realistic unless they kind of like really like guys foul out at that point in time. They went to TLC, they went back to Collins, etc. and kind of navigated that and uh, there's too much to talk about on this podcast to go into the Jalen and Sharif thing again, but just let me let me just say I understand everybody wants to see those guys. I don't blame you for it. Uh, there is context, and we'll talk about that another another time and date because uh, this would be an hour long podcast if I did all of that on this show. At any rate, they lost by 13 points at the end of the third quarter. So they were still in good shape. They scored 30 plus points in the quarter. They had a 130 offensive rating through three quarters. They were shooting the heck out of the ball uh, and really really were effective. But things started to spiral after that, quite obviously. So, they go back to Collins, start the fourth quarter with four fouls. Um, they actually had used Gorgie Jang, who played well, I thought, in this game. Um, but they ended up having this weird no-call early in the fourth, where both Nate McMillan and John Collins were both, like, incensed with the officiating, and I don't blame them. Collins kind of landed really hard on a play that was almost certainly going to be a foul, and it wasn't called. Um, they kind of came back to Capella pretty early on in the fourth as well, but the Hawks... Both stopped scoring at the highest level, and they also gave up a bunch of good looks and makeable looks that Houston took advantage of in the fourth quarter. So it started off with an 11-4 run by Houston to cut the lead down to six. And at that point, DJ Augustine was 5-5 five five from three and kind of just killing the Hawks over and over again. They brought Trey back in with about eight and a half minutes to go, a little bit later than I wanted, but still not like totally inappropriate. They played him with Lou Williams for a while, which I didn't understand. Because, you know, that Trey-Lou lineup's not my favorite in the world anyway. But Lou had not been, like... you know, he, he wasn't terrible by his standards in this game. But I don't think you want to go to that lineup when you're winning more often than not. It's more of a high-variance look, which you don't want when you're winning. Um, it didn't work in this game either. And the lead was cut to 3 with 4.18 to go. And as a reminder, the Hawks led by 19 in the first half and 17 in the third quarter. And by the five-minute mark or so in the fourth, the lead was 3. Uh, Houston... Hit six threes in the first seven and a half minutes of the fourth quarter. They had 28 points in seven and a half minutes, and uh, that was really the problem. Uh, And then the crunch time stuff also on top of that. So they went, went, I'll sort of go play by play now the rest of the uh, first half. Sorry, less of the fourth quarter, I should say. Um, Capella comes back in. They close with Reddish as well. So it was basically starters, except for Reddish, in place of TLC. So they're best five available players, basically, in this game, Um, with, with the exception of Gallinari, potentially. Uh, They missed a three from Collins. A Decent look, but he missed it. Uh, Augustine gets a layup on a back cut that Trey just kind of lost him on. uh, And Trey was an adventure defensively in this game, we'll just say. Um, He was not alone, by the way, but he was not good defensively. Um, That cut the lead down to one. And then they turn the ball over, and Houston hits another three. Uh, At that point, Houston had 33 points in nine minutes. Yeah. Uh, Then Trey misses a layup. They finally got a stop on a block by Capella. And uh, fortunately, that was going to stop the bleeding a little bit. But then Capella gets fouled and misses both free throws. So the Hawks had four consecutive empty trips offensively at a very, very bad time. Um, then Gordon drives and scores over Herter, and the Hawks are suddenly down by four with 220 to go. Now, it's not over at that point, but suddenly you go from being in, in control to being decidedly not in control. They did finally score after that with Trae getting to the, lot, getting to the rim for a layup, but that's that up a 10-0 Houston run to go from Hawks up six to Hawks down four. Then Gordon... Hits probably the biggest shot of the game. A three at the end of the shot clock in Cam Reddish's face. Just an unbelievable shot by Eric Gordon. Kudos to him. It wasn't even a bad defense. You know, the Hawks put a lot of bad defense in the fourth quarter, but that was not bad defense by anybody involved, including Cam. But Gordon was hot in this game. Made a big, made a big three, and it puts the Hawks down by five. And then Herter misses a tough shot, makeable, but misses it. It kind of just rattles out, and that's big trouble. The Hawks did finally get a stop when Capella blocked the dunk, and the Hawks uh, tor- uh, forced turnover after that. But they pushed the tempo, and, and actually, that challenge I referenced earlier by Nate McMillan happened on the next play. So Collins gets called for an offensive foul, and he was immediately incensed. They call for a replay review right away. And even if they didn't know it was going to get overturned, you kind of have to challenge that. Um, and I said that before, they, before I even saw the replay. I was like, okay, they have to challenge this, because... 100 minutes ago, you still had your challenge, and it's basically the game's over if you don't get, if you don't win that challenge. Now they did win it. It was a good it was a good challenge by Nate. Um, i was actually a little bit surprised they overturned it, but I thought it was, I thought it was a block, so it was, good, it was a good call. Um, but Collins misses one of the two, one of the two at the, at the free throw line, so still a four point game at that point in time. They didn't foul, which is kudos to them. Uh, Gordon turned it over to give the Hawks a pretty decent chance at this point in time. So they had to get a stop there. They got it with 28 seconds to go. And after a quick timeout, Trey scores, and it's a two-point game with like 24 seconds left. So they had to foul, but now now they're back within striking distance. Um, The Hawks did not get a steal, so they had to foul. Um, And credit to Houston again. They made their free throws both times in this game. Trey got a layup in transition. Actually, Houston, the closest time the Hawks got back into the game in the final couple minutes was this terrible long pass by the Rockets with like under a minute to go, that should have been stolen or at least could have been stolen, but it wasn't. They get they get the uh, they sort of collect the ball. Gordon gets fouled. He makes both with 12 and a half seconds to go, and the Hawks are down by four. And then you're obviously it's not dead, but you're in deep trouble. They uh, smartly tried to shoot a three, and Cam missed it, and uh, that was the end of that. So all that said, the defense was kind of the problem, and off- offensively it was not very good either. We'll get into the fourth quarter numbers now before we get to a break and the rest of the uh, big picture stuff, but. Uh, here we go with the fourth quarter numbers for the Houston Rockets in this game. Houston scored 44 points in the fourth. They shot 64% from the floor. They were 8 of 11 from three. Now, I'll stop there for a second. That's obviously not all on the defense. Uh, (laughs) Anytime a team shoots 8 of 11 from three, there's some credit to be given to the Rockets. That is worth pointing out. With that said, a lot of good looks, and the Hawks did not play well defensively at all. Also, Houston had 11 assists in the fourth quarter. That's a um, sky-high number. And three turnovers in the fourth quarter. And a big thing here and that doesn't necessarily show up in the full game stats, but in the fourth quarter, Houston uh, grabbed more than half of their own missed shots. So they only missed nine shots, and they got the offensive rebound five times. So the Hawks got four defensive rebounds out of 25 shots. That's really, really bad. Um, so it was a perfect storm of bad defense and you know also good offense from Houston. But if they had just been, like, really good instead of uber-elite offensively in the fourth quarter, the Hawks would win this game. But that was the uh, price to do a business when the other team has some life because you won't put them away. Uh, they made a bunch of shots, and again, kudos to them, but uh, perfect storm stuff from the Hawks. I will say, most of the issues for the Hawks in these fourth quarter issues lately and these collapses has been on the offensive end of the floor, which is weird because the Hawks are so good on offense. But in this game... It was obviously the defense, which is their worst side of the floor, but the offense was not good in the fourth quarter. It wasn't terrible, but they were 9-22 from the floor and 2-9 of nine from three. It would have been enough if the defense hadn't just totally given out, but the Hawks still had some issues, and everybody except for Trey was 4-15 of from the floor in the fourth quarter. So lots to get into in terms of like what happened, but uh, I will just say overall the fourth quarter clearly beat them in this game. Uh, and, you know, you go into the fourth quarter up 13 at home against the Rockets, and the Rockets are not very good, uh, you are massive, like 95-plus percent favorites going into the fourth quarter, and you didn't win the game. So we'll come back to this, but uh, that's kind of the setting the stage for the uh, big picture stuff in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Boost Mobile. You listen to podcasts for the power of the inside track. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone. You can listen to the latest episodes and keep up with your favorite players and teams. Also, you have the power of three unlimited data lives for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can share all of the insights and the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all that edge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and you can find out today. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. There's more power to save with Boost Mobile. Disclaimer, free phone limited to new customers of one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage is not available everywhere and for all phones or networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. All right, and we'll get into some broader observations first and we'll drill down from there. Uh, Positively, (laughs) The offense was pretty good in this game. A 122 offensive rating is uh, enough to win on most nights. They had a 63% true shooting in this game. Uh, You don't often lose at home with that kind of shooting numbers. Um, Yeah, so (laughs) that's one thing. Uh, 12 turnovers is not incredible, but it's still perfectly fine. That would be on the uh, better end. Of what NBA teams do. And the Hawks are at least entering the game. They were number one in the league in turnover rate. So they've been pretty good on that area. Um, The glass though. The Hawks lost a lot. Um, Only 8 offensive rebounds. uh, And given that they missed 43 shots. And they had a sub 20% offensive rebound rate. In this game. And they crashed pretty hard. So some of that's absences and foul trouble stuff. For Collins and Capella. But they did not do well on the glass. In this game. That's for sure. We'll come back to that in a second. But I would say offensively. The only sort of a nitpick would be the fourth quarter was not good, clearly, um, and only 20 assists. That's way below where they want to be. But with them shooting that well and performing that well on offense, you know, you can't really be upset about the offense. Uh, Clearly, they could have executed better in the fourth quarter and kind of want a shootout kind of thing. But um, if you're trying to find the ire in this game, it is obviously with the other end of the floor. So... Defensively, uh, it was a complete disaster in the fourth quarter we talked about before with the 44 points and the ridiculous shooting, etc. For the full game, though, they allow a 130 offensive rating to the Houston Rockets. Uh, The Rockets this season, coming into the night, I believe were 28th or 27th in offense. Um, So that tells you kind of what happened there. Um, This is a bad offensive team. Now, they were playing some of their better guys that maybe haven't played a ton this year. They're playing their vets. They're playing without guys like um, and Green and Poor Jr. who are talented but may be hurting them right now just being on the court and being young. With that said, the Hawks were very bad defensively in this game. They allowed 19 three-pointers. They allowed 20 second-chance points. That is way, way, way too many. And the Rockets only had three turnovers in the second half on their way to 74 points. Um, I believe even after tonight... The Rockets, are, yeah, the Rockets are still dead last in the NBA in turnover rate by a wide margin. That's been their worst thing this season is their turnovers. And they had 11 in this game. They actually the turnover over less than the Hawks. Again, the Hawks came into the night number one in turnover rate on offense. The Rockets were number 30 in turnover rate on offense. You could not have a bigger gap than those two teams. And the Hawks lost turnover battle. Now, they weren't terrible in that, but that's something to uh, focus on as well. So, Uh, There's plenty of blame to go around about the defense. I think, uh, in general, you would have a harder time finding the guys who played well defensively in this game um, than the guys who didn't. I think everybody didn't, for the most part. But, um, you know, on a night in which there was some genuine positivity on offense, the defense kind of outweighs that, and it is truly breathtaking to give up 132 to this Rockets team at home, including 44 in the 4th and 74 in the 2nd half. Player-wise... Before we get out of here, um, we'll start on the bench first. Uh, only five guys played. It was uh, there were twelve guys active. So the guys who did not play, Johnson and Cooper, again saving that for later. Uh, I know Hawks fans are not upset, I'm not happy about that. I totally get it. We'll leave it there for now. Uh, Delon Wright, I actually thought probably should have played more. Uh, he was okay. Had two points, two assists, had a block shot, played decent defense. I thought he was uh, better than Lou Williams, even though Lou had twelve points. And I'm not, I'm sure there are, in fact, I know there are some fans that can't possibly think that a guy that had 12 points was worse than a guy that had two points. I think that's definitely true. You know, Lou, I would say generously, because Lou did score 12 points on 10 shooting possessions, that's pretty efficient. Um, He gave you something in this game. Uh, You know, Famous Labs said that Lou, when he's struggling to score, doesn't want to give you anything. And that is still true. At least he gave you some points in this game. But defensively, it was very bad. He was minus 8, and I think DeLon should be playing more than Lou. Um, I understand those guys are paired together most of the time. But even when they went to the two-point guard lineup, it was with with Trey and Lou, and I don't really understand that at all. Um, Gorgie Jang, I thought, was pretty good off the bench in spot duty. You know, he does not necessarily have been in the rotation every night because of the fact that they just kind of used Collins as the backup center. But with all the foul trouble, Gorgie gave them good minutes in this game. He had 8 points, he had 2 rebounds. He had a steal, he had a block, he had two threes, got to the line for 2 points. Um, he wasn't fantastic, but did his job for sure. Uh, Cam, I thought, was a genuinely bright spot in this game. He did not score in the second half, but had 12 points on 10 shooting possessions. That's pretty efficient for Cam. Had two steals, had a block. He was active defensively. Um, had some one-on-one issues defensively, but um, generally made some plays and was not the problem. I thought he was a, a pretty nice step forward for Cam, and uh, he was one of the better guys in terms of their normal baseline in this game. Gallo was actually plus 13. Ended up fouling out. Um, made some shots. Defensively, he was attacked, as he always is, um, but you know it's hard to get upset with Gallo on a night when the Hawks generally succeeded when he was on the floor. Um, that was because of the offense. They were really cooking when he was on the floor for part of the first half in particular. But he had three threes. He was only one of four on twos, which is better, which is not as good as you would want him to be, obviously. But um, plus 13, 27 minutes for Gallo. TLC, 21, 21 minutes, 8.3 rebounds, an assist and a steal. I think defensively, he's still been pretty good. Offensively, he was not fantastic, Other than a nice catch-and-shoot three that he took early in the third quarter. Um, it's not his fault, but they were not great on this on this night when he was playing. I think Reddish is the is the more talented player, almost certainly. Um, I don't know if Nate's going to stick to Cam off the bench. I don't think it's, like, you know, not practice to not start Cam, because they, they like him in that role. But I do think that Cam should play like this kind of minutes. You know, there's no reason why you have to change the roles as long as you're playing Cam more. And I always say this, and I'll say it again now. Um I don't really care who starts for the most part. I think mean, that's very much overrated. It's kind of a who, who who plays more minutes that I really care about and who closes. And uh, Cam played more minutes and closed. So no issues with me. Um elsewhere. Kevin Herter had a bad game for Kevin Herter. Uh five points on two of ten from three. Sorry, two of ten from the floor, one of seven from three. Uh, did have five assists, second on the team behind Trey, and uh, no turnovers, but Kevin just didn't make shots in this game. Defensively, he wasn't terrible, but not his best either. Um, Clickapella, a mixed bag, we'll say. I know a friend of the podcast, Howard Jones, not pleased with Clickapella on, on this night, and I totally understand it. I think that Clint's numbers, are they make him look better than he was. He had 12 points, 16 rebounds, and two blocks. On the surface, that's obviously pretty good, and rebounding-wise, he was the only guy on the team that had more than seven rebounds. But I don't think he was physical by his standards in this game. I don't think he's had quite the same burst in the last few weeks. And, um, you know, especially in the fourth quarter, they just could not get a rebound. And, uh, you know, that's part of, that, part of that's on Clint. Even though he had a lot of rebounds in the game. I don't think he was, like, absolutely terrible in this game in the way that maybe some have said. Um, but I don't think that he was good. And, you know, he was actually plus two. Uh, I'm not really sure if that was because of him. So, a mixed bag. You know, the free throw shooting, he missed two big ones in the fourth quarter. Those obviously hurt a little bit. He missed a couple of bunnies as well, as he's often want to do. So, I don't think it was his worst game possible. I don't think he was very good. And I think the numbers were uh, inflated as to as to how good he actually was in this game. Uh, it was a rough one for John Collins. I thought Collins was not the problem in this game, but he had some foul issues. Only put 25 minutes as a result. 14.7 rebounds for John. 4.9 from the floor, 103 from 3. Uh, defensively, um, not his best, I would say. And on the glass, same thing. Um, minus 15, I'm not sure about that in terms of like his that, that being his fault. He was kind of paired with the bench a few different times in this game. So I don't think he was bad. I don't think he was his best by any means. He was really frustrated after the game. I mean, I think everybody was. Nate was. But I think John um, is always good with the media and, liked to, and definitely expresses himself very well. But you could tell he was very, very bothered. And the biggest thing that he was expressing was that the frustration level is even higher because the way they're losing is kind of the same thing over and over again. Now, I will say on this night, it was the defense, not the offense, but it's the fourth quarter. It's the, you know, having leads late, et cetera, stuff that will make everybody crazy. It's making the fan base crazy. I know that for a fact at this point in time. And John definitely expressed some, uh, some uh, negativity through that lens. And also like officiating, he didn't seem very thrilled with it. Didn't get fined, at least with what he was saying, I don't think. But uh, he seems frustrated for sure, as everybody was, but he was not his best night at the office. And then Trey Young. Um, so, positively, I will say Trey was awesome on offense in this game. He was by far their best player on offense. Um, 41, 41 points is clearly ridiculous. His second highest total of the season. Nine assists, four rebounds. They have seven turnovers. That's obviously a lot. That's more than anybody wants. Um, but shot it well. 14 22 from the floor, 5 of 9 from 3, 8 of 9 at the free throw line. Um, you cannot pick apart anything that he did on offense in this game. He was awesome. Uh, I will say, and this is not me pinning anything on Trey Young, he was very bad defensively. Uh, He's often not very good defensively. Everyone knows that. I thought he was particularly bad in this game. He wasn't alone. But I thought he was really, really bad. Um, Again, it doesn't outweigh his offense. He was still their best player in this game because he was uh, dominating on offense. But um, between the turnovers and the defense, he maybe wasn't quite as good as the 41-9 would tell you. But even then, no blame for Trey. It's just that defensively, if you're looking for some culprits, he was one of them. Not the only one, but one of them for sure. So... I don't, know. I don't even know. I'm not even sure where to leave this in terms of this game. Uh, I will say, candidly, I am. I try to bring the rational angles to the podcast. That's one of the things that I pride myself on. Is that when the Hawks win by a ton, I usually will find a reason or at least express some kind of you know leveling out a little bit. When they have bad losses, I will try to p- always point out the positives and try to give you some context. I said the other day when they when they blew a lead against Brooklyn, it wasn't the end of the world. This is a terrible loss, and for me to say that, I'm sure longtime listeners will know this, but I like to not go crazy. And I'm not going to go crazy and say like fire everyone. And there was like a lot of like fire Nate stuff on Twitter tonight. That's that's insane. But the Hawks were terrible in the fourth quarter of this game, and this is a terrible loss. There's no way to sugarcoat it. Um, It is it is December, and that is worth putting into context. Like it's one game in mid December, but the Hawks have lost four or five, and they've lost five in a row at home. And that's all bad. And I said before this game, I said on yesterday's podcast um, at the end of the show with Brian, that um, you know they had this five game stretch which they going to be favored, by, favored in all five games, and you wanted to get greedy and win you know win four of those five or win five of those five. And honestly, this is maybe not the easiest game on the schedule because you have Orlando coming in at home, and Orlando's probably worse than Houston. But you know there is no reason in the world the Hawks should ever lose to Houston at home. And when you throw in the context of being up by 19 in the first half and up 17. They were up 17 late in the third quarter against Houston at home. So not even I would tell you to not be mad about this loss. This is a terrible loss. Um, so worst loss of the season. You could argue it's the worst loss in the regular season in terms of like just inexplicableness of the McMillan era. Um, there were a few last year that, you know, they got blown out a couple of times in Philadelphia at the end of the season, etc. But um, in terms of just like what even happened here, that might be the taking the cake of the net era for the Hawks. Um Fortunately, they will be back on the floor on Wednesday um, on the road against Orlando. They can win that game, obviously, but it was not fun at the office. I understand, and I put myself in my fan shoes when I was more of a fan uh, back in the day. I would have been losing my mind tonight. So I totally understand. It's a bad loss for the Hawks, and uh, we'll leave it there for now, but uh, certainly not one that anybody enjoyed at State Farm Arena on this Monday. Last thing before we get out of here, a couple of uh, update kind of things. Uh, there was one report from Shams on Monday that says that rival teams are expressing interest in Hawks swingman Cam Reddish, but those teams believe Atlanta seeks a first-round draft pick for Reddish, end quote. No surprise at all for me. As I've said a few times on the this, on this show, and I'll say it again now, um, this is basically where stuff's been for a long time, like almost a calendar year at this point, where Reddish is available, but the Hawks are asking for real assets in return, including like not just a fake pick, like a late first round pick, but they, they want a real pick or more for Cam. So that's kind of why he's still on the team right now. They've not gotten that offer, and they're not trying to give him away by any means. I think he's available. That's not a secret. It's been that way for a long time. We talked about it at the draft, talked about that after the draft. So no one was surprised by that report that it's paying, paying attention, but it was out there on Monday, so I at least wanted to pass it along. In that same report from Travis, sorry, from Shamsharania about Travis Schlenk, uh, there was a report that he's expected to receive a new contract extension by the, by the time the offseason arrives. No surprise there. You know, Travis built a team that made a, made the contract finals last year. Um, obviously, um, he was going to be rewarded at some point with a new contract. There was no real um, question about that in my mind, but it was not done at this point in time. Seems like it will be done in the near future, and he deserves—he definitely deserves that. Also reported by Shams that Landry Fields, the former uh, NBA player and also current assistant GM for the Hawks, is, quote, trending toward being promoted to GM. Um, people, people sort of read that as being, like, him replacing Schlenk. As a reminder, Schlenk is now the President of Basketball Operations. I know people always refer to him as the GM, but he's not the GM anymore. That's the title. He's the decision maker. But he is the President of Basketball Operations. And this is actually a setup that the Hawks used to have. When Mike Budenholzer was the uh, President of Basketball Operations, they had Wes Wilcox, who was his number two, and Wes was technically the GM. Um, so Travis would be, obviously, getting an extension to be in the, in the current role that he's in. It would be mostly just a title bump for Landry, Landry Field. He's already the number two guy on the Hawks' front office, but... Um, a promotion of some sort underneath that and uh, probably a little bit more money, all that stuff. But uh, nothing out of the ordinary there. Just wanted to at least make note of that because it was a national report about the Hawks on Monday. As I referred to before we get out of here on the uh, podcast, the Hawks do play on the road against Orlando on Wednesday. The Magic will enter that game with the worst net rating in the NBA um, at minus 10.5 points per round possessions. They are, I believe, bottom three in both offense and defense. So the Magic, um, at the moment, are the worst team in the league, I think. Detroit has a worse record than Orlando. But Detroit is getting a little bit... Well, I guess just, I mean, kick game's coming on, but they, they actually did, did lose Jeremy Grant. So I'll just say this. Orlando is one of the worst two teams in the league, <laughs> in my mind, along with Detroit. So it's on the road. Uh, and obviously the Hawks lost to a bad team tonight. But it's a very winnable spot for Atlanta. And uh, that'll be the next podcast in terms of game stuff that we do on this show. In between, though, as I said yesterday, I am planning to drop the second half of the Brian Schroeder podcast that I recorded over the weekend. That will be up on Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And then we'll have a new podcast again after that with uh, all my thoughts from Hawks Magic on Wednesday evening. So please subscribe to the podcast. Hopefully do not tear your uh, hair out too much after this frustrating loss for the Hawks. Please tell a friend about the show five-star feedback, all that fun stuff, and we'll see you again tomorrow night.